Welcome back to the Better Than Yesterday podcast with your host, Angelo Kelly. This week, I got the joy to talk to another Eastern alum, Shannon Phillips. Shannon is currently an assistant strength coach at Georgia Southern University. And basically this week, we talk about all all things strength and conditioning. And it was just a joy to listen to. And I've had a few strength coaches on the podcast already. I have another one lined up for next week. And the reason is just because I love this stuff. I love strength. I love training. I love learning new things. And Shannon is a person who is an absolute wealth of knowledge. She's constantly learning. She's constantly pushing herself to be the best coach she can be. She's had stops at Temple, the University of Kentucky, Mississippi State, UConn, and now currently at Georgia Southern. So she's been working with elite athletes for a while, and even though she's not that old, she's been in a position to coach athletes from baseball, softball, volleyball, cheerleading, gymnastics, soccer, you name it. She's programmed for these athletes. She's learned how to make them the best they can possibly be on game day, and that's really what we got into, what she's teaching her athletes about sleep and nutrition. I've talked about sleep on this podcast a lot just because it's something that I'm very interested in as well as how to program for athletes who want to do too much or for athletes who don't want to do enough and how the balance is between the two. And I'm really grateful that Shannon gave her time. She's very busy. We talked about how busy her schedule is and just how she takes time to just unwind a little bit and kind of get outside of the weight room because she is spending so much time in there. We talked about what book she's reading or listening to on Audible, and that seems like a big um, commonality between the guests I've interviewed so far is a lot of these busy high performers are listening to books instead of reading them. And right now, I personally only have a part-time job, and then I'm doing the podcast in YouTube But I do have a lot of free time where people who are working 50 to 60 hours a week don't have that joy to sit down and read a book. But with all the guests I've talked to, they're trying to be better than yesterday. They're doing these small things every single day that's making them a better coach, a better athlete, a better photographer like when we were talking to Ricky or a better CrossFitter like when we talked to Paige. So I think it's just been amazing doing this podcast and learning from every single guest I've had on. I hope you guys are enjoying it. I'm going to send it over to the interview. I know you guys are going to love this one and strength coaches need to listen to this one. Okay, we are live. So this week on the podcast, we have Shannon Phillips. She's a strength coach at Georgia Southern. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad that we got the chance to connect and I can interview you. So I just first wanted to start out with your athletic background, your journey in sports. Sure. Yeah. So I was, uh, or am maybe, um, a volleyball player by, by trade. Um, I played all through high school, um, got recruited a little bit as I was coming out of high school and walked on, um, to Radford university's volleyball team, my freshman year. Um, I stayed there for just my freshman year. Um, after that year I transferred, um, to Eastern University. Um, if you don't know, Radford is in like southwestern Virginia, right in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, so I'm from the Philadelphia area. Um, I wanted to transfer and be a little closer to home. Um, so I'm from King of Prussia, if you know the Philadelphia area. 
Um, so super close to home. Um, it was right there and I was able to um, play on the volleyball team um, at Eastern. Um, my junior year, we got to go on a trip to the Elite Eight, which was a blast. Um, and it was it was a, an experience that I'll never forget, um, being able to just be in that environment and and just around such great teams and at such a an anxious but it's such an exciting time of year in terms of championship season so that was um that was a really really fun um experience cool and what do you think was different about the volleyball team at eastern because i know the athletic program wasn't the strongest but volleyball kind of always seemed like it was just a little bit above everyone else and you guys were always winning the conference so what what do you think was different with you guys? yeah so it, it definitely was different um there's there's a certain um, there's just a certain atmosphere or like expectation that things are just gonna um, when it's when it's conference games we respect the heck out of our opponents but we know that um, they're not necessarily the games that we're most excited for we had we definitely had regional rivals that we really looked um, looked to those games and really really got hyped up for and excited for so it was definitely different um, I think the other huge difference is that when I transferred to Eastern at the time. Um, there was a weight room, but nothing like they have now and no strength and conditioning staff. So that was, um, from my perspective, a huge void, which I don't want to get too, too ahead of your questions here. But um, that was something that that in my transition from being at Radford, where um, we had a strength staff and a, a, a awesome facility and the resources and then coming to Eastern where that stuff wasn't yet in place, which it is now, um, was, that was definitely left an impact on me as someone who had it and then went to not having it. Mm -hmm. So you majored in exercise science, is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. At what point did you know you wanted to get into strength and conditioning? So I, like I said, when I was at Radford, I had a strength coach. Um, There was two people on staff at Radford when I was there, um, Michael Shoemaker and um, Richard Freetag now. And so she, um, my strength coach was Coach Shue. And then I got to know um, Coach, her last name was Hamill at the time when, when she was at Radford. I got to know her um, really well just through some other kind of avenues aside from specifically strength and conditioning. Um, and I just kept a really good relationship with her. And she was someone that I always looked up to so much because she just had this certain poise about her um, being able to command a room and being able to influence her athletes, but still be so relatable and so personable. Um, so I transferred to Eastern when I was at Radford, I actually was a nutrition major. Um, so I was always kind of interested in the sciences. Um, I transferred and declared exercise science. When I first transferred, I thought that I wanted to go into occupational therapy. That was never going to happen. <laughs> um, so then I was kind of at the point where like, eh, I don't really know. I know what I don't want to do, but I don't really have an idea yet. And, and I just kept thinking about it. And, uh, coach Hamill just popped in my mind and I was like, dang, I just wish I could be her. And so I reached out to her and I was like, hey, you know, I think I want to do this. Um, she moved on from Radford the year after or at the same time that I transferred, she moved on as well. And so um, I got to reach out to her and she um, led me with some really, really good advice, which got me um, kind of connected into uh, my first internship, was, which was at Temple. Mm-hmm. So um, the the degrees of separation and strength and conditioning in, in the real world, it's six, but in strength and conditioning, it might be three, maybe even two. Um, so coach Hamill had known um, one of my other great mentors, um, Claire Quibido, who was at Temple at the time. And so 
she connected the two of us, which um, it kind of the rest is basically history, honestly. Mm -hmm. That's such a cool story. And I think at Eastern, you probably weren't around long enough to meet Coach Saltzman, but um, just the way he ran the program, when he got in there, it just seemed like a different level of expectations. Mm -hmm. And having that strength coach, I know for me, was just uh, it was just so motivating, and we had a sense of direction as a team. So to not have that, especially when you come from a D1 program, is can definitely be tough. So I wanted to get into your resume as a strength coach. You have a lot of impressive stops. So what were some of your experiences like you were at Temple, Kentucky, Mississippi State? So what were these schools like? Yeah, so every experience, every school I've been at, has been very different from each other. Um, but I feel like all of the places I've been, I've learned such valuable things from each place. And so um, being at Temple, I was at Temple as an intern from January to July of my senior year of college. Um, and that was kind of my first taste of, of honestly what it takes to be in this field and, and to really um, carry yourself as a strength and conditioning coach. So I was very, very young and kind of, I had experience with a strength coach my freshman year. And then all the way to my senior year, I went essentially three years of college without having it. So kind of back in the weight room and, and in a, in a division one environment. Um, and so I took a ton away from that. I think um, something I learned at Temple that's always stayed with me is, is, the ability for everybody to be running on, on all cylinders. Um, they do a, a, a fantastic job. Coach TV leads their staff and, and coach Sam too. They do a great job of, um, of building a sense of camaraderie with all the athletes at temple, um, but also training their teams at, at an extremely high level. So that was something that I really, really took away from that. Um, my experience at Kentucky, I entered there for a full school year. So I was with just about all the Olympic sports at Kentucky um, with the exception of like men's golf, women's golf and men's tennis. So I really got to see just about everything from baseball to women's basketball, to cheer, to diving, to swimming, to pretty much everything in between. So I think my experience at Kentucky was very valuable and learning a lot about developing needs analysis for your teams and figuring out what you need to do to best train your teams. It doesn't matter if, you know, if you're walking in and you have basketball or rifle, it's still my job as a strength coach to be able to know exactly what their sport needs to be successful. Um, and then, so after my year at Kentucky, I went on to be a GA at Mississippi State. I was there for just about two years. Um, and I worked with volleyball, softball, and women's tennis. Um, and when I was there, I really learned a lot about developing relationships, um, only being with three teams. I was responsible for women's tennis and then I assisted with volleyball and softball. So I saw them, I saw almost all three of my teams. Most times I saw all of them every day in some capacity, unless they were on the road traveling. Um, but that was an opportunity for me to really dive into not necessarily a breadth of teams, but really, really develop deep relationships with my athletes and with the coaching staffs and understand all the ins and outs of like, their, their training, their lifting, their practice, their study hall, you know, obligations, their team culture and what it looks like and how all those pieces play together. Um, so that was something that I really, really enjoyed when I was at Mississippi State, being able to kind of see all the pieces 
how they all interact with each other and then kind of go from there. Um, so I was there, like I said, I was there for a little bit over two years. Um, and then after Mississippi State, I took a professional internship at UConn and I was there for one just shy of a calendar year. When I was at UConn, I was responsible for swimming and the tennis programs. Um, I also assisted with softball, volleyball, and track and field. So I think um, that was kind of my first, I had programming experience from being a GA, but I only had tennis. So it's only about seven, eight girls. Um, being at UConn, um, there's like last year, there was like 52 kids on the swim team and about eight to 10 kids on each gender of the tennis team. So that was a big transition for me in terms of figuring out how to manage so many athletes um, and the responsibilities that come with being at a school like UConn. They have 24 Olympic sports, so um, or 24 sports, so I guess I should say. Um, and so there's a lot of ins and outs of our staff responsibilities as far as nutrition, scheduling, um, you know, getting people on weight gain packs or these things or those things. So there's a lot of different things um, that kind of came that were all encompassing of a department that big. Um, I think the other thing that I really learned at UConn, which for me as a coach has been tremendously valuable, is is learning um, to develop a skill set of how I systematically uh, approach programming. So I have a system and I program within my system. It might look different from one team to another or one year. You know, one year we have a lot of seniors and the next year we have a lot of freshmen. Um, but I still have my system and the things that, that I kind of follow. And so having um, that year at UConn that I spent, um, it really helped me to develop my my principles and my philosophies and, and those kinds of things to be able to stay within my system. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And so what are those programming difference when, say, you're going from softball to tennis to volleyball? Those are all three very different sports. So how's the program changing between those three? For sure. So I think the first kind of myth that honestly blew me away, and sometimes if I still really think back, it still blows me away, um, that I am getting in these kids that are that have been recruited to play tennis since they might have been 14 years old or maybe even younger, and they come into the weight room and they they can barely do a hinge or a bodyweight squat or things like that. So I think the very first thing is that you have to remember that um, – more times, well, actually 100% of the time, I'm training athletes whose goal it is to play their sport. Their goal is not, right now anyways, maybe sometime down the road, but their goal right now is not to be a weightlifter or a powerlifter or any competitive lifter. Their goal is just to play their sport. And so they look at they look at the weight room as a means to an end. They look at it as a place that they go, they put their time in, and then they see it on the tennis court or the volleyball court or the softball field. So that's the first thing that um, I've I've seen very differing levels of I get some kids that come in and they um, they've never even seen a weight room and some kids come in and they've you know have a high school strength coach and they've been training for two three even four years and they're a little bit more advanced so my job is to not hold anybody back but meet everybody kind of where they are and so um, that's kind of the first part of 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 being in the collegiate sector of strength and conditioning Um, as far as programming considerations um, like I talked about being at UConn, I really got to spend a lot of time delving in on what my philosophy is. And as a strength coach, I my philosophy comes down to two things. It comes down to accepting force and applying force. So we can accept force that keeps us injury free. 
So that's being able to change directions or land a jump um, or absorb force if a ball is hit at us, things like that. Uh, whereas applying force is the opposite. It's being able to jump high or hit a serve hard or fast um, or, or hit a home run, hopefully. Um, so everything that that I do, no matter the sport to me, the first thing I always look at and, and the thing that I look at in terms of the, the holistic approach really is always can they have, uh, can they accept force first and then can they apply force? And so once they can accept force well and and healthily, I guess, then we get into how well or how much higher can we make that um, ability to apply force. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you've been at these big programs. Is it tough to get buy-in from athletes, especially when they're looking at the weight room as somewhere that they might have to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but they don't truly want to be there. This isn't, this isn't game day. It's not a match, you know, like stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. I think that there, there are times, I think that that's where it's, it's, I take a really big responsibility in educating them and, and being real with them too. I think that, um, the athletes today are, they have more access to anything that, you know, not to age myself, but they definitely have more access to things that, than I did coming out of high school. So they have access to Instagram and Twitter and they can see all these things that are, you know, oh, this person's doing this and this training and that training and they're being pulled in a lot of directions. And so I feel like it's my job to educate them and say like, no, we're, we're doing, we're practicing landings or depth drops so that you can change directions on the tennis court. This is for tennis. This is for tennis. This is for your tennis serve. This is for your, you know, things like that. So really relating it back to their sport and telling them straight up, like, I know that you're not here to be a weightlifter. I don't want you to be a weightlifter right now, right? I want you to be the best possible, you know, softball player or volleyball player um, or soccer player, whatever it is. I want you to be that right now. And so I think that, um, that buy-in is so, so, so important because like you said, you know, it could very easily turn into autopilot where they're checking boxes. Okay. I showed up at seven and I left at eight. Okay. Check. I did my workout. And so, um, I talk a lot about the strength and conditioning staff and myself being, um, a resource and being, um, a place where you can come in and you get out what you put in. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. So, and I'll speak for personal experience. I was always the athlete who did too much during the season. I always tried to be I'd be on my cube method powerlifting program and then go directly to the field for practice or for a game. So how do you have to pull athletes back as well? Mm, yeah, so that's tough. I think that um, at this point, I, I have definitely interacted more with the opposite. Um, but I think that that is the case. And so, um, again, it just comes back to education of like, we don't want you, you know, at your best for right now. We want you at your best for Saturday or wh whenever competition is. And so um, it definitely depends on the sport. Um, I think that there is a way if I have an athlete who comes to me and they say like, hey, coach, I, I want to do extra. I want to do this. I want to do that. Um, it depends on the situation, but if it's a kid who's getting significant playing time, they want to do better, but ultimately they want to do better for the benefit of their sport. So how can I be a resource to them and say, Hey, you know, let me help you. This is what's best for you in terms of 
what day of the week it is, when do you compete, what, what are you coming off of, what's down the road, um, you know, what, what is your recovery status right now? So I think that the education is, is really big and, and um, there's, there's something for everyone, even if it's, hey, like, what would be ben- best for you, what would benefit you the most is if you come in and you do five recovery things. Um, and so we're going to train hard and we're going to play hard, but we're going to recover hard too. So I think that that's for sometimes, I think for some athletes, it's overlooked. Um, but then once they start getting educated, they'll start to say like, oh, wow, like I'm actually not supposed to feel awful every single day when I wake up. Yeah. So, yeah. And then what are you doing to educate your athletes outside of the weight room, like about sleep and nutrition? Yeah. So, um, we will take time. So at Georgia Southern, we've, we, as a staff, we have kind of, we're, our whole staff is very new. So we're developing kind of this holistic approach to where we have different topics that we're going to talk to our athletes about, take maybe five minutes at the end of the workout, especially in season, because our lifts typically in season are a little bit shorter. They don't take as much time. So we're using that time that we're given to say, hey, you know what, five minutes, I'm going to talk to you guys today about, um, like you said, about sleep or about recovery or about nutrition topics. And so um, just being able to kind of toss those things out there. And, um, you know, I'm not reading from a textbook or reciting them research. I'm just saying, you know, here's really three practical steps for you. I want you guys to um, I want you guys to look for all the carbohydrates you eat today could be rice, could be pasta, could be bread, any carbohydrates you eat. I want you to make sure that you have half of your plate. If it's, if it's a, let's say they're in season and it's a sport like soccer, half your plate should be carbohydrates at all your meals today um, or things like that. So just giving them very, very practical steps and um, the education comes, but the education is not valuable unless they know how to apply it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I want to shift gears here. You clearly know a ton about strength and conditioning. I want to just talk about the field in general, not so much the science, but what are your career goals going forward? Yeah. So I just got here to Georgia Southern um, about eight weeks ago. Um, I got here back in July. Um, I'm just getting going with my team. So at Georgia Southern, I'm responsible for men's soccer, swimming, softball, and track and field. Um, I also assist with volleyball. So um, it's awesome so far. I love my athletes and my coaches. Things are going really, really well. Um, I am definitely looking to kind of plant my feet here for a while, um, and, and really be able to grow here. Um, I, I love working with change of direction sports. So, um, I'm slightly biased because I played volleyball, but you know, the volleyballs, even softball, tennis, things like that. Those are sports that I really enjoy, you know, not necessarily, um, just the weight room side, but on the field stuff too, um, being able to teach um, change of direction and jumping and, and skills that, that are absolutely crucial for the sport. Um, I can't help but, but think that when I was playing, that was something that I felt like I struggled with personally. So that was something I wish I would have learned more or I would have done more in terms of being able to, to train and have it actually transfer to my sport. So that's something that I'm really passionate about Um, but honestly, the door is wide open. I mean, there's, there's so many directions, um, as far as, as, as change of direction sports, honestly. Um, but I will say that I, I also kind of am learning more and more about the sports science side of things, which is a little bit, a a little bit different kind of route within strength and conditioning. 
Um, but I've gotten really interested in um, data collection and, and figuring out ways that we can not only subjectively figure out where our athletes are and what they need, but also objectively too. Um, so that's, that's something that um, I don't necessarily at the moment have a ton of experience with, um, but it's definitely something I'm interested in. And, and I hope that down the road that it'll be, I'll, I'll find a path with, with that kind of stuff on it. Very cool. And just looking at your resume, you have a lot of top schools. What do you think makes you different as a coach to get in into these schools? Sure. So I think that the first thing is that um, I I was in a point where I knew coming out of college, I knew that I really needed to invest time in my own development. So out of college, um, when it was, you know, when I was a senior in college and I was, uh, you know, two, three months out of graduating, I didn't even blink my eye at applying for GA positions, which is the traditional route. Usually people will get a little bit of intern experience, graduate assistantship, and then move on to a full-time role or something similar. Um, I didn't even, I didn't honestly consider any GA positions coming out of college because I knew that I wanted to invest on the front end um, of, of kind of my development. So um, the first thing is that you have to understand in strength and conditioning, especially the college sector, that um, you've, you've got to go out and get your experience as far as, as internships are concerned. And I was, I was very, very lucky that coming out of school, I had the support of my parents. So I was able to take an unpaid position where I was at Kentucky for a year. And um, I wouldn't take that back for anything, for anything, not a paid internship, not a GA position. Um, so that was really something that early on, like I said, you know, it influenced me as a coach and it kind of, it kind of pushed me in, in a certain, down a certain path. And so that's something that um, was really important to me kind of on the front end of my career. I think that um, the next thing with, again, with the college sector is, is being willing to experience new places and being willing to move. Um, I think that it was something that, you know, I, I went to college far away, far away in Virginia um, my freshman year. And, and it was a little intimidating, you know, transferring back. I was at home for three years. I mean, when I was in college, I used to have dinner with my dad, like three or four nights a week. Um, and then having to, th the thought of even moving away from home again, it was definitely intimidating and, and it was unsure. I was in a very different place, new place, um, you know, kind of just on my own. I knew the people I worked with and some people from church and that was kind of it. Um, but just, as each time I've moved, like really learning to thrive in that environment. So um, really just embracing and loving where you are in that time. Um, I think that that has translated from my, that personal side of things has translated a lot to my professional experience, just really being in the mindset that I'm just going to be wherever I am at that time and just soak in the culture and the people and, um, and just like the town and, and all it has to offer in the school and the sports teams and all they have have to offer too. So I think just being willing to move and to just invest where you are. Certainly, um, Starkville, Mississippi is quite different than King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. But but I wouldn't take back the experiences that I've had in the places I've lived for anything. So um, those are definitely the two things um, just right off the bat that I think are really important for um, someone trying to get into the field um, and, and definitely – have led me to where I've been, I guess. Um, but aside from that, just being really willing to um, to put yourself out there and speak up and and you know knock on people's doors and say, hey, like I I don't know things and I want to learn things. Um, I think at Temple that was 
something that um, that I really was kind of led into and and an experience that that really helps me is like being able to speak up when I, I didn't understand things or things that I look back. I actually still have the, this. I had this notebook that I carried around with me and I would write things in it sometimes. And I can remember like writing. I have the notebook and actually just past summer when I was moving, I found it and I was reading through it. And the way that I was like describing the things I was watching was it's just it's very comical to look back. But um, just being willing to really take in what you're seeing, like I'm, I'm observing, you know, 10, 12 teams or more um, over the course of a week training. And so having the resources of the staff, I think, is huge. And being able to um, find people that are willing to teach you is, is also really, really big. And I feel like that I've positioned myself in opportunities or in positions where I worked with people who um, really put an emphasis or a priority on teaching younger coaches. And so that's something that's uh, that's a tremendous value. It was a tremendous value to me when I was on that side. And now that I'm kind of, I've gotten more experience and now I'm a full-time coach um, that I feel um, a definite responsibility to make sure that that I'm doing what I can to invest in in the younger coaches and the interns that we have at Georgia Southern um, to make sure that they are being um, kind of led in the best possible way. Wow. I feel like you said so much there that was that was like I had to take that in for a little bit, but just investing in your own development, I think that's awesome. But what advice would you give to somebody? Say they don't they don't have that financial support, they need mm-hmm. to make money. So is strength and conditioning not a field they should pursue or how can they get around that? Yeah, so I think that you have to go where where you feel like you can be successful. I mean, I definitely know people who have taken internships in places where they have family that lives there and they can live with family or friends. Um, you really just have to figure out what's feasible for you. I think that the worst, the worst move that you could make is committing to an internship that's not paid and then having to step away from it. Um, especially if you know on the front end, it's not going to be, um, it's not going to be paid. Um, but there are opportunities. And I think that as if you're interested in the field, um, kind of being upfront with that, with with people who you're kind of communicating with um, as far as internship um, potentials and saying like, hey, you know, um, I'm really I, I'm really interested in this. I want to commit to it. But, you know, the financial side and more times than not, coaches are going to understand and they're going to say, hey, you know what, why don't you get a part time job? You can work, you know. 20 hours a week or, or 15 hours a week at your part-time job. So it's at, at least a little bit of an income. Um, but other than that, I think that especially, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit biased coming from the, the Philadelphia area because there are so many schools, colleges, high schools um, in the area. Um, but I think that it is really valuable to even to just get, um, you know, FaceTime with people, not, not literal FaceTime. I mean, you, if you wanted, but um you know, going to facilities and saying, hey, you know, can I do a site visit? Can I can I come in and observe for the day? Can I come talk shop? I think those times are very, very valuable. I know when I was interning at Temple, that was something I had to do in the summer. I had to go on site visits every week. And it was something that I never would have done on my own. But I learned so much from being able to see. Um, I went and visited um, a smaller Division One school um, and I watched a football team lift. And I had actually never seen a football lift before. Um, or I saw, I went to, I actually went to two um, football lifts. I went to a private facility. I went to um, a division three school. So there was a lot of different places that 
I got experience with and just learning kind of where your niche is, I think is, is really big. And so staying within what is feasible for you, but also exposing yourself to um, the, the, the many different that, that there are. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to you probably a year, maybe two years ago, and we talked about doing something in strength and conditioning. And I thought I wanted to be a coach and I took your advice. I volunteered at a place and after like two months, I realized it's just not for me. So, mm-hmm. but getting that experience, I think was super valuable. And I did take a ton away from it, even if I knew it's what I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, you make a great point, Angela, like with, even with the, the places that I've been, I mean, when I went to intern at Kentucky, actually I went, I moved in August and I was there. I ended up being there for the full year, but I fully thought that my plan was only to be there for a semester. I thought I was going to intern at one school, a bigger school in the fall. And then I was going to take another internship and go to a smaller school in the spring so I could figure out which kind of setting I felt like I would thrive in or that was preferential to me. And honestly, after being at UK for maybe about a month and a half, um, I just knew that 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 was that was the setting that I, I really I enjoyed it. And I was learning so much that um, I, I couldn't have turned down another semester there. So um, that's definitely um, a good point. It's just as valuable to learn things that might not be for you as it is to figure out where your niche is. I think that that I I have stumbled upon the areas that I'm interested in, honestly, by a little bit of a process of elimination. You know, I try to get into this, you know, area and eh, all right, yeah, I need to know these things. But after a while, it's not so exciting to me anymore. Um, and so kind of just by process of elimination, that's how I've kind of figured out not only my career path, but also my philosophies as a strength coach and kind of my um, my vision for how I see my team's training in, in years to come. Mm-hmm. So do you ever get to take off the coach's hat and train yourself? Like, what does that for look sure. like? Yeah, so it's it's definitely very challenging um, for being in the in the college sector. I think that the the number one thing is that it. It is, I will be 100% honest, if I get busy, my personal lifting is the first thing to go. So I think like I'm very uh, calendar oriented. I literally have to put it on my calendar, lift, because otherwise I'll forget or I'll procrastinate. Or like, oh, I was supposed to lift at 10 o'clock. It's 1032 right now. Uh, like it's not going to happen today. So just being really, really intentional about, hey, this is when I'm going and, and that's it. And so um, kind of uh, being held accountable to that is is something that um, is, is as much of a priority as, as college strength coaches make it to be. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. So do you have any personal goals, any thing that you're going after, like a tough mutter or a competition, anything like that? Uh, not at the moment. Um, I, so la- so we reconnected a little bit about back in February. I sat in for my USAW uh, level one la- weightlifting course at Western uh, Weightlifting Clubs, which is where I ran into Angelo. And um, and so I don't know, honestly, being in that training environment, like that was very fun. I had never really been in a weightlifting club like that before. Um, and ever since I kind of visited that weekend, um, I've I've gotten a lot more probably in the past three or so years. I've gotten much more into Olympic lifting. Um if I could hit, I mean, I'm like not going to necessarily like shout numbers out, but I definitely have goals. Like as far as my snatch and my clean, um, 
I never really, uh, when I would Olympic lift in the past, I'd never, I never did the full lifts. I was always in the power. So that's something kind of relatively new to me that I'm still like kind of in the honeymoon phase a little bit. I think it's, it's a lot of fun. And so, um, I don't know, maybe someday, um, when I was in grad school, so not last, not this past spring, but last spring, um, I was getting into, um, a little bit more running a little bit. Um, but I don't know, just kind of wherever I feel like a pull now that I'm back in the South, um, that might be something I get back into. Um, I can promise you that living in Connecticut, I was not going to be training for <laughs> in the winter time or anywhere, anywhere past like September, basically. Um, so that's maybe something down the road that that'll be, um, more, uh, more attractive to me. Cool. And yeah, whenever you're back in town, we can definitely train. Yes, 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 for sure. Yeah, I'd love to train together. So what are you doing for continuing education? You mentioned you just did your USAW. What else is on the docket? Sure. So um, as far as necessarily organized um, continuing education or uh, specific certifications, um, I don't really have much um, kind of in sight. Um, I have my CSCS and my SCCC. I also have my USAW. Um, so as far as those, you know, set in stone certifications, um, I've kind of knocked those out. Um, I, when I was in graduate school, I got a bit into um, researching and kind of looking into reading into um, Postural Restoration Institute, PRI. So it's basically this all-encompassing kind of model of how the spine plays into literally everything and, and um, really places an emphasis on um, the neutrality of the spine and how you can um, breathe properly. Um, so it's very, very, it can get very, very clinical, um, but that's something that as far as for throwing sports um, is very interesting in terms of looking at um, some movement deficits and kind of um, biomechanical kind of shortcomings, I guess you would say, of the scap in throwing motions. And so that's something that um, I got a lot into with uh, my my former boss when I was at Mississippi State, Jenna Wooten, or Jenna Lee now. Um, but she taught me a ton about that stuff. And it's always something that has interested in me a lot. Um, when I went on to UConn, I was on this kick. I'm like, okay, this stuff is great. And then all of a sudden I got a team of 50, almost 55 kids. So um, the practicality of being able to implement that stuff is still something that I'm learning more about. But um, sometime down the road, I mean, I would love to, to get to a PRI course. Um, but other than that, I think that, um, that a big thing with continuing education um, is kind of a phrase that uh, I heard a head coach um, say a lot that I worked under at one point. Um, she would say a little bit, a lot. So I'm not necessarily going to sit down on a Saturday and read five textbooks, but I'm going to find articles and snippets and, and, um, and just little things I can read on an almost regular, almost daily basis. And so that's something for me that, um, that kind of allows me to keep my wheels turning, not just in areas that, that interest me. So like I was saying, you know, I'm really interested in change of direction and teaching jump me mechanics and things like that. Um, and, and, a little bit more of sports science stuff. Well, I'm still going to get into, um, you know, some energy system development or other things that aren't necessarily right in my wheelhouse, but I'm still going to take time to, 
you know, read up on those things, even if it takes me five, 10 minutes a day. Um, the best thing that happens from those is I make my own questions. And so then it's on me to figure out who do I know that can help me answer these questions and how do the answers to those questions relate to the training that I'm doing or that I might do in the future with my current teams. Very interesting. Yeah. And um, are you doing anything for like personal growth, reading or listening to podcasts? Anything? You're for sure. For sure. Um, I'm not super into podcasts. I'll be honest. I just like get very distracted. Um, but I do listen to books, a lot of books. I, I have Audible and some other apps um, that are, are really, really helpful with with um, with listening to books on tape. So um, some of the books that I've read recently um I just got done reading or listening to um, the Barcelona way, which is about um, Barcelona FC and kind of their, their uh, kind of undertaking of revamping their program's culture. And so um, the books that I listen to are typically kind of leadership development or culture uh, development within a team setting. Um, That's kind of the basis of them. Um, I think another one, another book that I just got done not that long ago is called um, You Win in the Locker Room First. I'm almost 100% positive it's by John Gordon. Um, he also wrote The Energy Bus, which is a pretty mm-hmm. good book, um, and Training Camp, which I've also read. Um, so those books, those kind of books to me are, um, there. It, it kind of becomes a gray area a little bit where like, eh. Yeah, I wouldn't probably be reading these books if I didn't work in a setting where I worked with teams all the time. But putting myself in in the mix of how how do we create a culture and and how do we make the culture of a team thrive? I think that's something that is not necessarily overlooked, but I think that that's very very valuable. It's really <clears throat> easy. I wouldn't say easy, but it's it's kind of the flashy new thing for a while. Like we have this new team culture. We have these you know, pillars of our team, you know, five pillars and everyone's about it. And then, you know, all of a sudden things don't go well, or we weren't, we didn't have as good of a season as we thought or whatever, and things kind of coast out. And so how can we be kind of initiators and, and continue that development of that culture, I think is, is always something that I think that's the million dollar question in college athletics, honestly. Mm-hmm. And you're the second guest actually to bring up John Gordon. So I read the energy bus and then um, CJ Appenzeller was talking about training. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so I do yeah. love his books and they are easy. I'm sure they're easy to listen to, but um, yes. they're pretty quick and they're, it's just so valuable to take stuff away and you're not reading for hours on end. It's a for couple sure. paragraphs here and there. For sure. Well, I just want to thank you so much for your time and coming on. I feel like you were an amazing guest and you brought a ton of insight. I feel like, so many different strength coaches are going to listen to this and just get such valuable feedback and insight onto what they can implement into their program. Thank you so much. I, I, this is my first ever podcast. So thank, thanks for having me on and um, we'll have to catch up again next time I'm home. I'll be sure to, to make sure I stop by. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll train at Westchester for sure. Awesome. Thanks again, Angelo. Yep. So Shannon just mentioned that that was her first ever podcast. I thought she was an excellent interview. She brought a ton of knowledge. So thanks again to Shannon for coming on. And before I let you guys go this week, I just want to ask a favor of you guys to please just subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening. And please just give it a rating. Give it a review if you're liking what I'm doing. 
Even if you have any suggestions, please just reach out to me on Instagram, share it on your story, just continue to help me grow this because it's not gonna grow without the help of you guys. I don't have the biggest platform yet, but I'm doing my best every single week to bring the best possible guests, the most interesting people that I can get on. Everyone who I've talked to has been someone that I've been extremely fortunate to talk to and I've learned a ton from each person I brought on the podcast so far and it's just going to continue to get that way and my main goal with this podcast is to just be a resource hub. I was always listening to Joe Rogan. I was listening to the Brute Strength podcast. I was listening to the James Altucher show when I was stuck at a corporate job and I want better than yesterday to be the platform that people go to when they don't know where they wanna go, but they have direction from these high performers, these people who are really just putting in the work and doing what they love every single day. So please, again, just share the podcast. Please help me grow this thing. I appreciate every single listener. Thank you guys for tuning in and be on the lookout for another great episode next Sunday. Take care.